Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody? I am your usual Talking Chop podcast host, Brad Roland, coming to explain yet again what we're doing here today. We've posted now two of these episodes. This will be the third of our video podcast series with Grav. Uh, plenty of good content here on the video side. As you probably saw, I linked to the video itself of this interview with Lane Adams, former Braves outfielder, in the uh, podcast description. But if you don't want to listen to it in that form and you'd rather listen to it um, in this podcast audio-only form, here we are for you. And again, we're just kind of repurposing the audio. So people were, uh, a couple people were asking to go ahead and do that and uh, give it to them on the go so they can listen to it without having to watch it. And we're here to police. So again, that's what this is on this podcast. It is originally recorded on video. This is the audio only version, and I hope that you enjoy it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Talking Shop video podcast. Uh, as you know, I'm your host. My name is Gaurav, and with me today is former Braves outfielder and current Minnesota Twins outfielder Lane Adams, who appeared in 111 games for Atlanta and performed, I would say, quite admirably, slashing 269, 340, 478, 818 OPS. That's a starting caliber outfielder OPS with seven homers, 11 stolen bases, and zero caught stealing. Uh, thanks for t- thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. How's everything going? Hey, thanks for having me, G. Uh, everything's good up here in St. Paul, Minnesota. I Thank can't you. complain. Just happy to uh, be playing some form of baseball in this year. I feel you, man. I totally feel you. Uh, I guess if you go ahead and ready, let's go ahead and get started. Do it. All right, man. Uh, a little, I guess, a, a lesser-known fact, uh, and honestly, when I did some research, I was like, it was crazy to hear. Uh, you come from a super small town named Red Oak, where the population was, like, seriously less than 500 people. What was it like, like, one, trying to get nationally recognized playing a sport, and then two, uh, were you kind of like the man growing up, <laughs> pretty much? Uh... Yeah, for my area, I was it was it was kind of weird because I played basketball growing up. I didn't play a whole lot of baseball. I played baseball, but I didn't. That wasn't something I was one was really wanting to pursue. Okay. High school, so basketball is the thing, and uh, getting recognized in basketball was a lot more difficult than baseball. Like I didn't even really want to play baseball, and you know, people showed up to watch me play, and I was really had a hard time early in my high school career getting. Uh, the, like the scouts, colleges and stuff to show up for basketball. So um, small school basketball is a lot, it was a lot more of a difficult uh, mountain to climb than baseball, so to say, in Oklahoma anyways. Really? And, okay. Sorry, sorry, I interrupted you. You're good, you're good. And as far as the dude goes, yeah, I, I guess I was in the area um, just for basketball, not so much for baseball. We had a lot of small school baseball was really – pretty competitive in Oklahoma. Um, but as basketball goes, I was the dude, but just in like my area. And I played with a bunch of guys, some guys in the NBA, went, ended up going to the NBA from Oklahoma. 
And so I knew I wasn't really the dude dude, but you couldn't tell anyone that from like my small town. Like I knew, I knew I wasn't like on like NBA caliber, but everyone else around me thought I was. Uh, that's just, that's just small town. Uh, that's just small town stuff. So. Well, I got to ask, cause my follow-up question is about, is like straight up about basketball. Uh, if for anyone that doesn't know during the off season, Lane plays in this uh, pickup league called the skins league. And uh, he was like, just nice enough to hook me up with those guys. I got to meet a lot of them and talk with them. Uh, and I stumbled across some YouTube highlights of you dropping 60 points back in high school. So like, obviously you were, I would have to say from a small town like that, putting up 60, you gotta be the man. Um, you, you answered that you were more interested in pursuing basketball, but like at what point were you like, okay, maybe baseball is the route I should go. I didn't really, I didn't, it wasn't really a point up until after I got drafted, though I really, really had to consider. Because the whole time oh, wow. up until I got drafted, I was like, I don't know, I had no interest. I had no interest playing baseball. Even dur- during while the draft was going on, I was like, I had no interest. And then once the rubber met the road, I, had, I knew I had to uh, really, really take some time to think about it. Uh, it took like a month to really kind of persuade myself to pursue baseball. So, um, yeah, it was uh, – it's definitely difficult, but so okay. Hold on, let me let me get this straight. You weren't even like remotely interested in pursuing baseball, but you still got drafted in the thirteenth round. Like, what was the draft process like back then? Well, not back then. It's not like you're <laughs> years old, but like, <laughs> I think. Uh, you, yeah, sorry. So, like, what was the what was the recruiting process like? Did you have people just flying into Oklahoma trying to see you, or was it more like tournament based? And then did you ever consider actually going to college or was it like once you got that 13th round offer, it's like, I'm, I got to go. I got to take it. Uh, are you talking about the recruiting process for ba- baseball or basketball? baseball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So about my, we, about my junior year, uh, we have a, so we have a fall. We don't have our, uh, like you said earlier, our town was too small. Our school was small. We didn't have football. So we had a ball, ba- a baseball season. So we went baseball, basketball, baseball. Oh, okay. So, and there's a lot of, there's probably 200 schools in Oklahoma that are like mine that are really small. So we don't, have, we just play uh, baseball two twice a year. Um, so a lot of scouts, at least in Oklahoma and central uh, United States area would come to those games in the fall. Cause that's really, you know, okay. a lot of, a lot of talented players are playing in the fall in Oklahoma. Um, so, yeah. And they, so they just kept popping up and I was, you know, I was, it was small school. I, I was good. So I was just a better athlete than, you know, a lot of the people, players that I was playing against. And they just kept showing up, sending questionnaires, you know, sending cross checkers, regional scouts, all that stuff. And I really hadn't, I kind of just pushed it all aside. I really, if it wasn't anything basketball related at the time, I had really had no interest in it. Um, actually, I think the story everyone, most people know, but I actually tried to quit baseball my uh, sophomore year. My mom wouldn't let me. She said if I could quit, I had to go get a job at Sonic. Good <laughs> thing. And I was like, well, damn it. I guess I'll play baseball since I don't want to be a car hop on rollerblades. But, hey. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was tough. And uh, I ended up playing. I still had no interest in it. <laughs> I just played because I was an ultimatum I was given. <laughs> something I wanted to do I'm after that I was glad I did play because I you know it's small school and all your friends play both sports um so I was glad I got to you know play and we had success we won like two state championships 
uh, it was fun, but like I said, my first, my goal was basketball and nothing was getting in the way of that. I was actually on campus in Missouri state when I got drafted. Okay. Uh, I actually, and I lost a lot of scholarships and interests from schools because of the draft. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. That was, that really, and, and looking back, I was, it was a good thing, obviously, because my baseball stock kept going up, I guess. But um, as far as, but my time, my mindset at the time was like, this, this sucks. Like, like I've been busting my ass for basketball, you know, for the past eight years in the gym by myself. And now guys are just, they're just, you know, backing off the recruiting thing because of baseball. Mm-hmm. So I was at my mom's so like, see what you happened, mom. You may, you may. <laughs> basketball interest has gone away. So, this man's uh, backup career is professional right. baseball player. Unreal. <laughs> um, okay. So like on September 1st, you, you had a pretty solid minor league career. Uh, you brought up September 1st of, oh, I didn't write this down, but for the, uh, for the Royals itself, major debut September 1st as a pinch runner. You stepped into the box for the first time September 19th against the, against the Tigers. So, like, that first time on the field without having to bat, what was it like trying to quickly adapt to in-game, like, in-game behavior and mechanics? My, first, my debut was a pinch running spot. Yeah. And runner in front of me. So that wasn't that exciting. Okay. <laughs> Well then, well then, but, September nineteenth against the Tigers. My first at bat, um, I mean, it was nerve wracking. My family was there. It was a, uh, it was actually pretty cool. We had our minor league awards ceremonies that night, and then we think Berlander threw against us, and he just shut us down. And that was when the Tigers were really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, were, they I think, were down like eleven or twelve at the time. They threw me in there, got a little courtesy at bat, and. It was fun. I was really nervous. Um, got down 0-2 really quick and somehow managed to fight off a couple pitches, take some and fly out to left field. But it was actually cool because as my buddy Whit Merrifield time, he, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't called up, but he was there um, on the uh, award ceremony side for the minor league. So he was actually there. and he was, you know, he was probably one of my best friends in the Royals organization. So I had my family and some really close friends from home and from within the organization itself there, my first hit that, that was really cool. That's really, I mean, you get to be surrounded by, by people that went through that grind with you, with your family. That is a really cool debut. Um, fast forward a couple of years, you're in the Braves organization. Um, what kind of was it like going from the Royals to the Cubs to, to Atlanta? I mean, that's pretty, pretty different organizations. Did you have a, an issue adapting to any single one or was it kind of just seamless? Um, it was pretty seamless. Uh, the first time you leave, I think when I went from Kansas city to the Yankees, you know, you kind of get that whole, you know, this is a different organization feel. They had their own you know, criterias, you know, plans, developments, stuff like that. Um, so just kind of, you know, seeing something new for the first time was different, how different organizations go about it, but it wasn't that hard to adapt at the end of the the day, you're still, you have one goal and that's to, you know, produce at whatever level you're at. So you can go to the next level or produce the major league levels. You can stay there. So the end game is always the same and everything. And the way teams go about it's the, that varies. But as far as individually, I kind of kept the same, the same goal, same, you know, kind of plan. 
Kansas City. I just carried it over from organization to organization. Okay. Yeah, totally, man. Um, I guess the next one would have to be on June 22nd, of course, the day before my birthday. Atlanta's up 8-6 against the Giants in the bottom of the fifth. And then Brian Morris, I want to say, kind of hung a slider to you. And you did not miss it one bit. You deposited that ball straight into the double in the second deck for your first major league home run. Like, as soon as you saw that pitch, as soon as you hit it, uh, what was going through your mind? And by the way, the Braves went on to win that game 12-11. So that home run was, like, absolutely vital to the outcome of that game. So, like, what was it like rounding the bases first for the first time when you saw that slider, when you saw that ball land all the way in the second deck when the fans were going nuts? Like, what was that like? Uh, it's pretty surreal. Uh, it's kind of the feeling you you dream of, anticipate, you know, the first one, you know, the first hit, the first home run, whatever it is. You know, the first one they always say in this game, the first one's the hardest one. And I felt a lot of relief when I hit that, a lot of uh, – a lot of enjoyment. I really like running the base. I really felt took time to really enjoy it. Um, enjoy the moment. Uh, it was really extra special because my mom drove out that day with my nieces, my two nieces. And so they were there to see it. So that was really cool uh, to have him been there for that moment. Um, yeah, it was pretty surreal. And you know, I can still kind of remember that pretty vividly to this day. Do you ever want to go back in time and maybe bring in elements of Dietrich and just like, flick that bat like far up into the moon, you know, like moonwalk around those bases. Cause you hustled around there real quick. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I, I've, I've told myself I'd always want to like hemp and home runs and stuff, but I just, I just can't get myself to do it. I hit one. Even if I hit it really well, I'll just start running out of the box. <laughs> Second base. Damn. I should have took my time. <laughs> I just don't have like the, the swag, I guess, or the, I don't know. It's just not in me. I wish it was. I wish I was cool, but I guess I'm not as far as that goes. Personal, personal story about me when the first time I went into a 90 mile an hour batting cage and I made contact with the ball, literally foul tipped it. I flipped my bat. I was so happy about that. So um, <laughs> on to the next one. What would you I tip balls against. I'm pretty damn satisfied. So I, I mean, know. After the first, like, nine that blew right by me, just making fair contact made me quite, quite happy. Um, <laughs> I don't know how y'all do it. For sure. I, I had no clue. Um, what would you consider your favorite memory during your time in Atlanta? Um, there's a lot of them. Uh, my walk-off home run against Miami was really cool. Mm -hmm. But I think my favorite, my favorite memory – it's probably the Ronald Acuna Jr. Grand Slam against the Dodgers. Okay. Uh, that was really – that was a really cool, really cool moment. It's just – it's pretty cool. The poise. The poise. The poise. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, that – I remember – I remember, like, up until that point, the, the Dodgers pretty much zapped the energy out of the stadium. And, you know, stadiums – fans are starting to come alive a little bit because mm -hmm. he just – walked Newcomb. Mm -hmm. he, Bueller just walked Newcomb, and all right, now we got our guy here with the bases loaded. Let's see what happens, and god damn if he didn't deliver for it. I think I um, – cool. Yeah. cool. I shouted quite a few things that day, and I'm uh, none of them particularly I – can't, I can't say I'm on this. But, like, kind of pivoting straight from that, are there any stories, you know, maybe not on the field related, but, like, in the clubhouse – that you're particularly fond of that you're that you can share with us 
any good like pranks or something like that? I think those pranks. Um, I think there's some. I can't even off the top of my head at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, it was kind of a. Uh, or just like any any good story in particular. I would imagine, because I know for me, if I was in that clubhouse making my debut, my parents would probably want to try and come in and everyone would laugh at me. So like anything, anything kind of like, well, maybe not like that, but in the same kind of realm. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah, there's like, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm like, during the season, I'm by the team. Like, okay. like I'm always like, I don't like to be like, it's going to sound terrible when I say this, but I really don't like it when like, I don't say I don't like it. It it kind of un it kind of unsettles me when like people come in to like visit and mm. stuff and like you know you want to go out the ball right you want to go out to eat before the game and all this stuff like no not really <laughs> it's kind of messed up <laughs> I don't want to go pay for food and I get it for free at the stadium um, <laughs> uh, but as far as like pranks and stuff go there wasn't a whole lot of pranks it was, it was a very mature clubhouse. Mm. Um, Surprisingly, when you got guys like me and Luke Jackson in it. Uh, but as far as pranks, there was, I can't remember any pranks. Uh, but no, there was, a, I mean, there was a lot of, there was a funny clubhouse. There was a lot yeah. of person in there, but you know, there was not a lot of pranks or anything like that, unfortunately. I mean, then that sounds like the perfect kind of clubhouse for you then. I'm guessing there was like pretty, pretty solid amount of gaming going on between Luke and, you know, Acuna and all of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, Luke, I mean, I think they all, they're all on Nintendo Switch at the time. And, you know, that's all the, all the, it was mostly bullpen guys. You know? <laughs> okay. like pitchers, like starters, you got position players are like normal. Your starting pitchers are a little less weird. They're weird, but not as weird as like bull, bullpen guys are just straight weirdos. <laughs> uh, they have nothing to do but just sit and just, and just, calculate all the everything in their brain and just try to have it it's it's bullpen people bullpen pitchers are weird like i would they, say it takes, it takes a special person to be a starting pitcher i i couldn't imagine having that kind of mindset for like eight straight innings where you're just like i'm better than you yeah well yeah i mean i can see that part but like the mindset for a starting pitcher is like crazy to me bullpen does seem like a little more fun like those guys just want to find something to do during the game. And then, you know, once the sixth inning comes, they're kind of like, all right, time to get in, you know, game form type thing. Right. Yeah. Those guys just flip a switch real quick. You'll see them, you know, you'll still, some guys don't go out the bullpen like third inning. They're staying in the clubhouse mm-hmm. like three innings into the game. Then they walk out there. So it's like, these guys aren't even ready, but those guys, they know how to flip the switch and get ready. And I mean, that like, they, they're good. They I mean, coming up, off- it is hard to do. Like coming off the bench for you, what what kind of like mindset would you have at the beginning of the games? Uh, man, I did a lot of study. I'd never come off the bench before because um, I never played with the. That was the first year I ever played with the uh, pitcher hitting rule ever. Oh, um, yeah. I never had to like pinch hit before, and, and you know I've had to do it periodically throughout like three or four times, and I knew it was terrible. Like I knew I was I was just trash at it. Um, so I knew, but, but I knew if I wanted to stick up in Atlanta, I had to you know, be good at that. So I did video preparation. I would study hitters or pitchers in the bullpen, um, starters. I have a heat map of every pitcher. They come in, all right, 
I would go in after every inning. They the posing a pitch, I go in when we were hitting and kind of follow his pitches with the heat maps. Like, is he going to this spot? Is he going to this this heat this hot spot that the heat map shows? Is he is he doing this in the game? So it's, it's little things like that, little studying, paying attention, staying involved. So I'm, uh, I feel like I'm prepared, and that's. Uh, when you have confidence in your preparation, that usually you have confidence in your performance. And that's, you know, when you're pinch hitting, you you really, really, really have to believe in, mm-hmm. you know, your, your commitment, your preparation. And that's uh, something I bought into and just fortunately was able to carry that over throughout the whole year and, had, and was able to su- sustain some success. I mean, you kind of gave me like the perfect segue. Like, I've, I've followed you for on Twitter for quite some time. I've always seen you. You're always engaging in like super analytical posts, stuff like that. You're always talking about, you know, launch angle. Uh, I know you had another hitting instructor come in and kind of give you some hitting tips. Like um, how has the emergence of this amount of data kind of impacted the way you play the game? Uh, it's definitely impacted a lot. You, uh, I mean, there's so much information out there that and some guys aren't good with information like mm-hmm. i can only there's some things i like to i like to i want inf- information i want and some i don't want uh but i've tried it all out because you know i want i want as much i want everything that's going to help me. and i'll try anything once and just and you know that's kind of that's a gift and a flaw mm-hmm. especially if you ask my wife like that's uh so yeah i i, I like to absorb all the information because like I just, I, it makes me feel prepared. And like I said, when I feel prepared, I feel confident. And like so confidence is a probably one of the main uh, attributes you have in this game. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I was, I was so uh, wrapped, not wrapped up, but accepting to the to the new information and data that we're able to, that teams are able to give you now. Well, then I have to ask, like. How do you how do you keep up that kind of conditioning, that kind of preparation? You know, coming into the season, we weren't even sure there was going to be a baseball season. You're up in Minnesota. You're trying to you're trying to fight for a roster spot. You know, you have all this uncertainty. So, like, how do you stay ready for the opportunity that someone on like Twins goes down or they need your bat up there? Like, how do you mentally stay ready for that kind of uh, change? Oh, it's tough, especially up here. Um, it the days we've been up here almost a month and a half, I guess, and the days get a little monotonous. It's just almost the same thing every day. The games aren't really real. We had a, we had a more of a real game yesterday than we had before. Most of, most of the time, we just take a live piece, and it is hard to kind of lock in and bear down throughout the day, day in day out. When you know, there's no keeping mm-hmm. score. There's no you know, there's no competition. That is that is very difficult to do. Not just for me, but you know, a lot of the guys here, uh, it's tough, but you have to just, you have to just, you know, trust, I guess, trust the process as cliche as that sounds, you know, go in and try to work on something to get better at. Like now's the time mm-hmm. where you exploit your weaknesses. Like they're not keeping score. There's no, there's no batting average here. So it really gives us, it's given me a chance to kind of, you know, go a little kind of stretch myself and see, you know, try new things out, kind of take, take risks with no, with no uh, consequences. So I'm, I'm getting those opportunities here that, that you really don't get that mm-hmm. I haven't, you wouldn't get, you, you I, I can't do that in spring training. I can't do that in a regular season. Cause you know, for me, the numbers, the numbers are important for, mm-hmm. you know, 
future you know jobs and stuff so here it's been a it's been a blessing sort of that obviously i'm really grateful for it to be here because there's a lot of talented players that aren't playing anywhere currently so i am very grateful that i am i am here um but i'm also uh i'm also just working with our hitting guy and you know kind of just stretching myself see what see what i'm capable of you know kind of pushing the limits and stuff and just kind of you know like like we call it here we're just we're just going for it you know Mm -hmm. we're just there's no there's no consequences here so just go for it whatever it is go for it you stretch yourself thin you know try to try or try stuff make yourself uncomfortable you know go through the uncomfortable uncomfortableness of of the game that that you struggle at and that's you know that's something that I've been, you know, really, really, really trying to do in my time here. That's interesting. So would you, would you think, or do you think that, you know, coming into 2021 that you might show up more well-rounded as a player because of this time? Yeah, I, I, I believe so. I mean, I think I would definitely be, I'm going to definitely be better off going in next year than I would be had I not done this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it definitely gets me a, I feel like it gets me a step ahead than the guys who aren't playing. But yeah, I, I feel like this is going to be, this is going to be huge for me as a player, just getting this time to kind of, you know, self-evaluate, you know, push my, push myself, test myself and be honest with myself is what it is. Like you got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with your struggles. You got to be honest with what you're successful at. And, you know, that's kind of, you get to, you get to, evaluate yourself every day honestly here without any consequences and that's mm. kind of been the my my focus and purpose you know, oh, that's, a, that's a really really like extremely healthy mindset um, that's big brain man it's big brain <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's that's really really refreshing to hear um i thought i kind of feel weird segueing to the next question and because I was like super philosophical, um, but we're going to change things to the completely different side of things. Your nickname for Players Weekend last year was LA Swiftness. Your Twitter handle, LA Swiftness. You have, you come from a small town, your initials are LA. How is your nickname not like Hollywood or something like that? Where did LA Swiftness come from? LA Swiftness came from me having to change my first original Twitter name. Well, first Twitter name was L Adams KC and I left Kansas City. I said, well, uh, okay. I changed this and then I can't make it, I can't make it like team base. Cause mm-hmm. I was on the, I was on uh, the waiver. I was in waiver limbo and I was just bouncing around. So mm-hmm. I was like, I can't team base. This is, this is just ain't gonna work out for the way this is going. Uh, and then I was just driving. Or was it? I was, I think I was in, uh, I might have been in spring training when I just saw LA Fitness. It's like, I don't know. It just hit me. It was uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know. Yeah, well, it works. I just threw it together and kind of just stuck. I think like Mike yeah. Trout might be the only player that could have M Trout LAA or something like that as his Twitter handle. I can't, has there been any other player that hasn't switched organizations at all? I can't, I can't even think of one. No, uh, I don't. Jeter is the last one. That's not, there's got, there's got to be someone. I don't know. It's a good question. I can't, I can't. Yeah. Okay. Her, well, kershaw has been there. There's not a lot though. No, there really, there really isn't. Um, I guess kind of staying on that same vibe. 
we played on a team with Marcakis and Dansby, and I've like never actually heard outside of Twitter. I've never heard a nickname for either of them. Like there was hustle and flow, but that came from Albies and Dansby. Uh, did either have like some kind of nickname in the clubhouse? I'm really interested in Mark and uh, Nick uh, in particular. No, everyone calls Nick Nicky or Cakes. I call him. What the hell, I called him. I call him Cakes. Fair I, I didn't, he, he was too. He was too much of a. I saw him too much as a uh, badass to call him Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Much like Cakes is so much more manual. Like, <laughs> uh, there's and Dansby. Um, I. Dansby had a nickname. I just call I call Dansby Dansby. Um, yeah. I I do think he should have put on the back of his player weekend jersey Dan's maker dance instead of I, I would have bought that. Yeah. I tried to persuade him. He's like, no, I can't do that. There's like a zero percent chance I wouldn't have bought that jersey. Are you kidding me? That would have been incredible. Exactly. All right. Well, now even completely different from that. I want to do, I want to ask you a a really, really, one of my most fun questions. I don't ask a lot of people this, but like, if you weren't a baseball player, what would be your effing job? Not necessarily like your number two dream job. Obviously you would say like basketball player, but if you wanted to assume a new identity completely in a completely remote location uh, with your wife, like what would you do? For example, for me, one of my most incredible times was when I was down in Costa Rica and I was driving into this small village and uh, I pulled alongside this one guy who was asking for uh, a ride somewhere. And so we gave him a ride and this man just goes country to country performing art, uh, doesn't really assume any kind of home base. He just goes where life takes him. And that just sounds like absolutely incredible to me. So what would be your effort job? I have two that I – one, I would not be any good at. Two, I probably wouldn't be any good at either. I probably wouldn't be any good at any one of them. I know I wouldn't be good at one of them. But uh, this is the first one I would think, and I've always, like, my aunt was a uh, DA and a congresswoman and stuff like that. So I've always been around campaigns, and that's mm-hmm. kind of – I've always been drawn to them ever since I was, like – I think the first campaign I was around was I was, like, five years old. And I was in them every four years. Uh, so I always, I think I would, I don't know how to say this. Now there's a lot more to it than I expect. I was really expecting. Uh, I think I would enjoy running some like political figures, like campaign, not, not a national one, but like a small, huh. I think I would enjoy that. I think I, I th- and that, or I think I'd want to be like a Las Vegas techno DJ. A Las Vegas techno DJ. Okay. Or, or DJing. <laughs> Why I'd want to do that, I have no idea. Like, pull them in. I mean, wear headphones, kind of just like pump people up like that. Who knows? <laughs> really, wouldn't be good at it, but I'd want to do if I could. I mean, who knows? Who knows? You could be the best DJ out of Red Oak, I'm, Oklahoma, man. I'm not employed, but I wouldn't be good. <laughs> um, I guess my, my final question for you, because you've, you've already taken so much out of your time for me. Um, any kind of weird game day superstitions? Um, not really superstitious. I have routines. I go, I go through the same stretch routine, uh, every day or if I'm playing, if I'm starting, I go through like the same thing, uh, mainly cause it's just, it's like 
program to how I get my body ready. I did it, got it done a couple years ago, so it's something I feel comfortable doing. As far as routines, I don't have any crazy routines. I'm so I'm so glad I never got to like the superstition of it. Because I have played with some superstitious guys that man, that would just get exhausting. Uh, having to put your batting gloves on. Some guy had to put batting gloves on the same way. Something like everything he put. One guy played with one guy. He put his left sock on. His like left leg of his uh, no, I'm sorry, his right. He put his right like leg of his uh, compression shorts on. He put his right sock on. He put the right leg of his pants on, and he put the right cleat on. Cause if he did everything with his right, he'd have a right day. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Whatever. Oh, comfortable. That's a little ridiculous. And that like, man, Mike Trout. No, <laughs> completely. The other one's just like bear. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, you got. Bike on for you have a sock on for you even you you got your whole left thigh and kneecap and That's so weird going but you have everything on your right side just dressed up it was weird every day yeah okay that is that's definitely strange I do have routines not superstitions so okay okay well thanks so much for for taking the time out uh, of your busy busy schedule um, I know you got you just no today's an off day all right you know what I don't. I don't, I don't feel bad today. I don't feel bad for taking up your time. Uh, but yeah, seriously, thank you so much. Best of luck to you and the Twins. Twins are absolutely freaking rocking it right now. Uh, my dream, actually, my dream matchup is the Braves versus the Twins in the World Series. It kind of seems like you guys have a better shot at, uh, at reaching that. But um, thanks so much for taking out the time out of your day. And uh, I guess that about wraps things up. Anything else you want to say? Yeah, I do want to say there's a podcast floating around from February of me saying, calling a Max Free 2020 breakout year. And I just want that on record. I don't know whose podcast I was on or, you know, I, but I, just, I don't, I can't, like, there's a podcast out there. Me <laughs> breakout. I just want that out there. So, was it a Braves, was it a Braves related podcast? I'm sure we can find this. I think, I want to say it was Docs. I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I've okay. done a lot of the COVID stuff, but uh, I need to follow up on that. Yeah. I will. Let's let's get that question out there, and we'll get that answer for you, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Take take care, man. You do the same. See you. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge—that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.